And here we are. Yes, ideas, inspiration, tutorials. That's what Pavermondo is about. If this is your very first time here, hello, I am Shahar Boyaya. I'm going to be your host today. And Pavermondo is a, a limited series of interviews with mixed media artists all around the world. So I want to introduce you to Annette Holiak. Welcome, Annette. Hi, Shahar. Hi, everybody. It's nice to be here. <laughs> Annette, where where are you talking from? So I live in Chilwek, British Columbia, and uh, yeah, that's where I'm uh, talking from. Uh, we live, we've been living here now in Chilwek since uh, 2005 when we immigrated. Lovely place. I, I know I have a friend that goes to British Columbia very, uh, very often. She says it's the most amazing place in the world. Now, Annette, tell me a little bit about uh, you and arts. Tell me how you got interested in that, at what age and how what, what have you been doing since then? Um, well, so let's put this out. And, and I think that, uh, that's why I love this medium so much. I'm not an artist and I know people are going to say, yeah, sure, but no, I'm not. Um, before I immigrated, um, like, like I said, 2005, I was a teacher economics at a college in Holland and, uh, I, I was not crafty. I, if I would, if, were, if I, if I were to make a drawing, I would, I would be able to do a uh, stickman but that's it. And then before we emigrated, my sister-in-law wanted to do me a class. She said, yeah, we're going we're gonna to make a, a garden sculpture because Pavapol originates in the, in the Netherlands, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I had never heard of it. Anyways, I didn't do the course. Uh, we emigrated and then I wasn't allowed to work the first two years. And I thought, you know what? I should do a class. Couldn't find Pavapol. And that's uh -huh. kind of how it started. Wow. Now, I, I heard this, I'm not artistic before, and I think it's, it's interesting because economics tends to be a, a left brain activity, right? While arts, it tends to be the, the right brain activity. But I found over the years at Curious Mondo that, you know, engineers, they make awesome artists, for example, and they, they have the same setup. Uh, they just process everything that they do in a different way. Like they are more, uh, they many times are interested in more in the process or or the testing part of it. Is that the same with you? Totally. Uh, for me, um, so I'm not very accurate. Um, you would say that you need that in econ economics, but on the other hand, um, I, I cannot follow patterns that well. Uh -huh. So for me, this is perfect because I do whatever and it usually uh, comes out pretty good. And that's what I tell students as well. Um, uh, you know, uh, follow whatever you feel like doing that's what you do and then for me uh, apart from the uh, creative part i i am interested in the structure you know uh, it has a, it has to have good bones in order to be able to go outside and withstand the weather especially when the sculptures are getting a little bit bigger so in that respect uh, yeah I'm, I'm also one of the sturdy structure and then after that i just go yeah it's yeah, I go with the flow. It totally, and I usually, when I use fabrics, like t-shirts, old t-shirts, that's how I started. And I always demonstrated to people too, the fabric does it for you. It's, mm -hmm. it's, yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm excited to see all the pieces you have there for us. But you mentioned you, you originally you were from Holland. Uh, what brought you to Canada? Yeah, that's a good one. It's, um, you know, a, a sense of adventure. Life is short. Uh, there's so many beautiful places in the world. So it, it wasn't really a a very thought through thing. Um, it's, uh, we, we love nature, we love hiking, mm -hmm. hiking, skiing, biking, things like that. And um, yeah, Holland is, a, what is it, 17 million people on a very small surface. And I love Holland. I mean, I, I'd love to go back every year. But here it's, uh, you know, it's, you'll see it later in the, in the little video. Um, and that's why I focused more on the nature in my video about the city and the city itself, because, um, yeah, it's all around us here. It's the mountains, it's the rivers and uh, five minutes out of here. And uh, yeah, you can walk for you can walk for weeks if you want to. And we're close to the border, so it's convenient. You can cross over. Well, not now, but we used yeah. to be able to cross over very easily. So no, it's a it's a, it's a beautiful place to live, and it has everything uh, that we wanted out of life. Yeah, that's so yeah. good. That's so cool. Talking about, we talked about Holland in Canada. Would you like to know the countries that are watching us today? Yeah, for sure. So right now we have US, UK, Canada, Netherlands, Denmark, Norway, Argentina, Bahamas, Portugal, Ireland, South Africa, Norway, Greece, Germany, Philippines, Russia, and Egypt. It's so amazing. There are so many people interested in, in, in creation, in, in creating new things. Don't you think so? That it's it's just flabbergasting that so many people log in and I notice I, I follow your shows with whoever uh -huh. is on right, most of the time and I think your list is getting longer and longer every time you have a broadcast. Oh yeah, you should see. It, you know, at some point you will be able to come here to the studio, and we have a map at the entrance, and we put pins every time we 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 know a new country is watching, and it it is really impressive to us as well because we are this tiny company in Utah, and I remember when I moved here, a lot of people would come to me and say, "Why Utah? Like, why would you go there? Right? And it's an amazing place." Uh, and today we look at that and say, "Wow, you know." The, it's just amazing what, what technology and a lot of work can do. Now, Annette, tell me one thing. I, I want you to, to show us two or three pieces, but I want you to tell me what really inspires you when it comes to creating new pieces. Um, that's a good one. You know, it's not always um, this or that that inspires me. I must say that I get inspired a lot by... Uh, what I see around me, it can be um, sculptures, you know, on on a on a, on a village square, or um, I can see it maybe online. Sometimes uh, an object inspires me. Uh, for instance, I've got here um, these are I don't know if you can see it. It's a wow. it's a wine it's a wine barrel ring, <laughs> and uh, so we bought a, a, an old wine barrel. Uh -huh. See, this is Gorgeous. making wings. What, we're gonna, what I'm going to show today, how you can make wings. Oh. But uh, yeah, so in this case, for instance, uh, yeah, I was buying a planter, an old wine barrel, and this lady had all these wine barrel rings. So she said, do you want some? And then I thought, oh, that would be awesome. So 
then I have a ring and then I think what can I do with it and then so yeah great that's how that's it awesome. happens and and the, and the funny thing is it's uh, so it looks I always find things like this look impressive mm -hmm. but you know how it goes because you, you know you've all seen it probably multiple times it's just that wire skeleton and foil and then the this girl is just merely strips of t-shirts that's all she is oh, really? and then only for, for the for the wings i use the yarn but um it's just those strips and if you really would look up close it's not it's not very detailed mm -hmm. but it's just the outline and the fact that she's in this wine barrel yeah. i think makes it, um, yeah makes it an interesting piece so um, also, I walk the dog a lot here at, uh, on the on the lake, um, and then I find driftwood. Of course, oh, um, yeah. you might have seen this one. It's a, it's a variation variation to the owl that you see here behind me that I did for a, a, a fiber symposium. Fiber symposium last year, I think it was. Yes. So sometimes it's the driftwood that inspires me, and again, and then I. So this one started with, oh, I've got this nice bended piece uh, of driftwood. What do I do with it? And then I think, oh, uh, well, I might see an owl in my studio, and then I think, oh, maybe I can fit an owl in there. So usually when I make something, I, I make it a few times. So I would have the owl behind me. I would have it. This one is made with clay, the rose clay that um, the camera is messing me up a little bit. Yeah, um, uh, with the rose clay and just some old buttons that I find. find. Wow. So um, yeah, what inspires me? It's it could be anything. It could be somebody else's work. It could be um, the metal, the wood what you find when, when you're going around that that's awesome this is one of the things that attract me a lot to this uh, type of medium is that it also allows you to give a new purpose to things right like you did with the wine ring the wine barrel ring uh or the driftwood right so it's like we give a new purpose to things and create out of art out of that which is, i think is a great a great way of making art right yeah uh, yeah don't throw anything out because uh, for the longest time i had this box with old buttons for uh -huh. my mom i dragged it to canada i had this old box and then i thought at one point okay box of buttons i've never ever used one button so i flew it out uh -huh. and uh, and then not even maybe a month later i work on this owl and i think oh i could use some metal buttons or whatever buttons uh -huh. and then i think oh i flew them out so yes. yeah I, I know the feeling uh my my daughter actually she cringes everybody uh every time somebody says don't throw anything out because she thinks i do i, I i'm a hoarder which i'm not at all but i know i know our instructors here they are 10 times worse than i am but she she sometimes said no 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 you don't need to collect anything but you never know right there's there's going to be a moment where those things will just be perfect for that Yes. I, I have a comment here from Deborah. The, the statues behind you are beautiful. And Avni, how do you treat driftwood before using in your artwork? 
So I usually let it dry really good. So um, yeah, I let it dry to make sure that there's no water in the wood left, um, if that's possible. But I mean, I, I let it dry for at least a couple of months. And then, um, and then I start working on it. I don't treat the, the driftwood myself. I'm, um, uh, I let it go. I must say most of my sculptures are indoors because when I teach classes, if I have them all spread out over the yard, not everybody's going to see it. So most of my sculptures remain indoors, although I have lots outside as well. But uh, with the driftwood, most of those are hanging in my studio. If I were to have it outside all the time, I would just, uh, after it, the whole piece, so including the sculpture and the driftwood, after everything has dried and cured, uh, you know, for at least two weeks, the, the sculpture itself, then um, I suggest a satin varnish uh, on the driftwood just to prevent it from uh, cracking because over time, if it's in the sun, it, the wood would start to crack. Uh, so I would varnish it to maintain it a little bit longer. I'm not going to say that wood is going to last forever. I mean, in 10 years time or 15 years time, that wood could be, yeah, start to deteriorate a little bit. But um, uh, a good outdoor varnish uh, would help a lot. And then while we're talking about varnish, maybe I can add something to that. Mm -hmm. um, so the sun, the UV is so strong that weather is whether it is your driftwood or your sculpture, I always say, you know what, varnish it again after two, three years because UV eats everything away. So if you have a nice sculpture, um, and even if you sell it, just tell the people you sell it to, you know what, it is an art of nature and everything outside, even the siding on your house, that this colors too. And over time, uh, would deteriorate if you don't treat it, right? So with a sculpture, after two years, varnish it again. And I would do the same with the driftwood. That, that's a great, a, a great tip, actually. You know, because it is true, everything that is outside will fade over time. So it's a great way to take care of your pieces. Thank you. And then what do you say if we take people on a city tour with you? Sure, sounds good. It, it's more green tour than city tour, I must say. <laughs> That's my favorite kind of tour. So let's okay. watch this. So this is Chilliwack, home for me. Um, short distance from my home, there is a uh, walking trail where I uh, love to let the dog out. And I'll take you uh, on a little bit of a trip along the river that we have running close to our home. The water is really high now because it's a warm day. Well, it has been warm days. Uh, normally people sit here on the banks of the river, making a fire, barbecuing, going in tubes down the river. But uh, not today. It's too dangerous now. Coming back home, uh, I'll show you where I have my studio. Um, well, I'll go through the garden first. This is uh, the raven. It's all made with pavapol, some fabric, 
and this was such a fun project to make. I gave him some uh, details. Love his feet too. And what else do I have? That's powerful around here. That's a frog. It's an oldie. But uh, yeah, what it is, it's just a big styrofoam ball. And, or whatever you can find. And all the features are aluminum foil shaped. Wow. Arms, aluminum foil. This is aluminum foil. These are a few dowels, wooden dowels that are just broke and covered with foil. The fingers, just some wire with a little bit of foil on the top. And then the rest is Pava Pole, Pava Plast and Pava Sand. And then painted. He's a topper. Lots of people liking, but it's a big project. But fun to do. No tutorial for that one. And this is an old one too, when I first had our dog. This is Molly. Molly only has a back, so you cannot see her from the front. But she sits on the deck and she looks out. And what else do I have here? Uh, it's the succulent cat. It's early in the season, so the succulents haven't fully developed. They're still recovering from the water. But uh, yeah, this part is just chicken wire with moss in which I stuck um, succulent and then filled the void with um, dirt for soil and the rest is pavapole, pavaplast, wire, some uh, metal for the, what do you call those things, for sure, you know what it is, but yeah, you can do it as a cat, I also made a few as a, as a, as a rooster, Cat. And uh, this was last year's project. Uh, this lady, I just watered her, so the the vine is a little bit droopy. But uh, yeah, she only has a body, body and head and arms, and the bottom part is just a flower pot in which I grew a vine. as big as I am. I use those swimming tubes for the legs to go over to the shades. So she's sitting on a really tall uh, rod, metal chair. And uh, yeah, just your regular figure, only uh, I made the dress out of pavicle clay. Simple, just all grey pavapole, pavaplast, and then some slabs of pavapole clay for the head, the dress, 
in the pool. So there's the dog again. So I have three of them in a row just sitting somewhere between my plants, but I think you see it better this way. So yeah, these are the projects that I have in the garden. So now we're standing uh, halfway to where we live. We live down in the south there. And yeah, this is Tilburg. Surrounded by uh, mountains, as I said earlier. Farm country, um, lots of dairy farmers, berry farmers. Um, yeah, hop lately. And this is looking west. Okay, Chile walk is absolutely amazing, but I have to give a wow to that frog because, I, oh my gosh, it's unbelievable how cool it is, that one, amazing. Now tell me two things, Annette. First of all, the name of your dog. Uh, that's Molly. Molly, okay. And, and uh, the big fish, it looks like a catfish to me, I, I, I'm not sure, but uh, is that your family that is holding the fish? No, actually, uh, I should have said that in between. Uh, it's, I wanted to show that uh, Chilliwack is more than just farmland um, because there's lots of uh, people do lots of fishing here. Um, okay, the fish that you see there, now, now it skipped my mind. It's those prehistoric um, fish that they catch here and they release them again. Oh. I forgot the name. Maybe it will come back to me. So they do that a lot here too. So it's skiing, fishing, hiking, 
uh, that kind of thing. So that's why I included the picture of uh, people catching uh, uh-huh. uh, the big fish. Yeah, yeah, Amaz- yeah. Amazing place, amazing place. It remind, reminded me a little bit of Montana here. We have some spots yeah. that have that uh, luxurious green as you have there, but absolutely beautiful place. I have a few questions for you. Penny Platt is asking, Annette, do you still have the draped lady's head out on the porch? Would you show it? I love to make that in a class. Oh, you mean, I think she means the, it's a styrofoam shaped head and I draped it all with fabrics. Uh, no, I don't have her any anymore. I hardly ever sell my work because I think I mentioned it earlier. I like once I like something, I want to keep it because it's a good example for when I teach classes or want to explain something. So when we moved a couple of years ago, I, I I had so many sculptures, I had to sell some. So no, I don't have her anymore. Oh, so. Um- I understood then that your business is uh, giving classes, correct? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. And and how how uh, are you able to give in person classes right now? How has the pandemic affected you and and Chiliwack? Yeah. So apart from the distributor. Uh, no, sorry, sorry. Apart from teaching classes, I'm also the dis- distributor for British Columbia. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the pandemic hit, I, I shut the workshops down. Usually I had about two, three a week. Uh, I shut it down and then we were able to start again, but then with masks. So I started with a max of three people in a class and then everybody sitting apart and then we sh- were shut down again. So at that point, I just closed the part of teaching classes altogether because it was, you know, starting up and and you need to book classes again. You need to promote it again with the dates and then you have to cancel. So it was a lot of uh, hassle. So I said, no, I'm shutting down until July, which is now. And then I'll reassess. So, but in the meantime, I could see that lots of people uh, were doing things at home because especially in the beginning of the pandemic, uh, people would buy supplies and they would watch videos probably through you and other uh, uh, sources. Mm-hmm. And they, I, I, I think the first month of the pandemic that it really was shut down, I think that was April uh, last year. I don't think I had more sales ever than in that month combined with classes and online uh, 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 online shopping so um anyways after i shut down it was just selling products online so i would be shipping but no classes and now it's july and uh, things have gone uh, have, has loosened up um but i'm not teaching yet i'm, I'm just gonna you know I'm going to give it a few more weeks to see what's happening because you hear numbers going up again. And uh, I mean, there's time enough to touch, teach classes again. So for now, it, it's still down, so to say. Yeah. Okay. But people are asking all the time. Yes, I know. Uh, because people are anxious to, you know, getting with people again, of course. And uh, although yeah, we are seeing the same thing here, numbers are going up, and many people don't understand how much work it goes into promoting an event of any type, be, be online, be an in-person class. So I, I'm with you that it's, it's wise to wait a few more weeks to see how it goes. Uh, but if we could 
Uh, now, one thing that you said that happened to us uh, as well is people were buying uh, products and and they were creating things, which is very good to hear, because I've met several people that during the pandemic, they stopped making everything. It was like they were stopped in time, just waiting for this phase to, to end. Uh, and it's, it was harder on them. If you keep yourself occupied and you're creating new things and you know using the products that you have around you, it's, it's always easier, right? Uh, to go through this kind of challenge. Now, Annette, yeah. uh, let's let's pretend last year didn't happen. Uh, you 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 probably knew the products when you were in Holland, but uh, you decided, okay, I'm going to become a distributor, sell products, and I'm going to teach classes. Is this a good business model for a person? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I it worked. It worked for me. Um, I must say that, so I didn't know the product in Holland, I only heard of it. I learned it here in Canada, actually, uh, back then, the owners of Pavapol, uh, Yossi and Jan de Rode, they came to Calgary to teach a class. Wow. And I think they were only, so they flew to Canada to teach people that wanted to know about uh, uh, Pavapol. And I just heard about it, I thought, well, let's go, I'm not doing anything anyways, because then I wasn't allowed to work. Uh, so in that first class, there were only uh, three people. One of them was Brenda Topley, myself, uh, Lise, that she passed away, unfortunately, and one other lady. So just the four of us, and that's how it started. So, and I didn't go there to start teaching. I went there because I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to work yet, and I was bored, and I was homesick, and my husband said, you need to do something. So I said, okay, you listen to your husband, right? So I did something. And I took this two-day day class, and I thought, oh, well, this is easy. I can do this. So I bought some product, took it with me on the plane back home, and I, I bought also one of the books, and I just went through those books and made sculptures and I thought, wow, this actually looks pretty good. And there was a Christmas show coming up here in locally in Chilliwack. So um, yeah, signed up for that Christmas show, intending to sell the, 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 the sculptures. And then people said, oh, so what is it? And they wanted to know so much about it. And I thought, you know what, uh, the heck with selling, I think I better start teaching. So um, yeah, I started promoting classes and I must say that first year, that was a lot of work because I, you, had, you have to put yourself out there and talk a lot and explain to people what it is because it's, it's still a very uh, intriguing but not very well known to everybody uh, product. So I would explain it on, hey, uh, you know, maybe in a local mall, I would have a table and I would tell people about it. And then after a year of constantly doing that, uh, all of a sudden I thought, oh, where do these people, where, how did they find me, right? Mm -hmm. But it's that personal connection. I do find that the personal connection, I can, I can promote whatever I want on Facebook, um, but it's mainly uh, the, the big numbers of people come in because they've seen me somewhere or, they, or their friends have seen me. And once that part goes, gets going, word of mouth, and then yes, then social media starts to help, but it's not it's not the first uh, step. Yeah, it's not the first step. Once that gets going, then yeah, it's it's a good business. And 
Um, my studio now is a little bit bigger than it was, so I can have, in normal times, I could have up to 10 people in the studio teaching a, 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 yeah, one-day classes, and that's, it is a good business model. Um, but yeah, like I said, you need to work on it. And it, because after a couple of years, I thought, you know what? I don't have to go to markets anymore. I'll just, uh, you know, I'm good. And then I noticed it because then less people came in. So mm -hmm. I always say, and I, uh, if I teach an instructor's course as well, you know what? Uh, if you really want to teach and make uh, money out of teaching, uh, you have to make sure that they see you. And that's... Uh, and that, and I see that working for people that do. Yeah, yes, totally. yes, you're, you're so right. People tend to cringe when it comes to the marketing part. They think, I don't want to do it, but it, it is what keeps everything alive. And like you said, as good as social media is, uh, that is not the first step. You you have to put yourself out there with shows, yeah. with with galleries. Now, what is interesting is that in, in my perspective, Canada is the country that uh, has promoted PowerPoint more than anything else. You have you have several certified instructors, you have several distributors, but it's still when you go to a show, to the public is still something very unique and they get amazed by the fact that you can use textiles and put in the garden. Uh, so just imagine in other countries the possibilities that a person has when they start creating their own pieces and putting shows in art walks and things like that because uh, I mean Canada is very big but it's still you have a, a lot of people there that uh, makes the sculptures with PowerPoint and is it still like a total open market because yes. when the public comes they are still unfamiliar with what can be done correct yeah, that, that is so true. Yeah, it, and it, it's uh, so in that respect, you hardly have any competition when you start because, and, and even if there's a couple of people in the same city, I have that here in Chilliwack too, because I, you know, uh, people took instructors courses living here in Chilliwack and, uh, and it still works. You're not competitors because everybody has their own, own social, uh, um, on social um, bu bubble yeah. and um, some have uh, you know vacation homes somewhere else and that's where they teach and uh, yeah it's uh, it's an like you say that's a good expression it's an open market and um, yeah yeah to discover yeah. still and and plus every artist has its own unique take on things so the pieces will be different yeah. anyway now you mentioned yeah. your studio a couple of times let's go take a look inside yeah. So, so we're upstairs, uh, the outside of the studio. I'll just guide you through a few of the sculptures that are out here. This little guy is carrying a rock. And then we, we go in. Uh, it's fairly new. I've been here now two years and the studio is way bigger than I used to have. Uh, so it sits at least 10 people if it's not COVID. Uh, not happening now, but yeah. So I'll just go around and show you a few sculptures that I have standing here. These girls are so old. I had them for years, but I really like them. It's, it's art stone. And crackled clay. You might have seen the planter legs. These girls, just pavapol, pavaplast, and pavacent. 
clay girl. Simple hearts out of foil. Birds. The rooster, you might have seen the rooster. Of course, the winter reindeer. My friend is working on this uh, sculpture in the in the wine barrel ring. The flowers. Love these girls myself. Burlap and relief decoration. They had this made out of foil. This one is all wrappers and can be seen. Or actually, there's a video on my website how to make her. A workshop, another reindeer. This is also a beginner's piece. Difficult to see with the light. The reader. This one with the candlelight inspired by Yossi de Rosa, Ro uh, Yossi de Rode who made that. This is print, newspaper print cloth and a simple paper towel holder. She's done with napkins, all puffable of course. These little guys sitting on a brick like her too. All white, pavicle transparent, and some white in it. Pavicle white. And these are all these. This workshop, this owl, is a workshop uh, available at Curious Mondo. Check it out. And there are some good oldies. Relief decoration. I love working with the burlap. Gives such a nice effect. T-shirt. All t-shirt is this one. Wrappers. One of my first ones, t-shirt. And an angel. And up there. Some other ones, crackled clay and stockinette, relief decoration for the skirt. Uh, just an old sweater, pieces of an old sweater. Again, relief decoration. Pavershrub, Pavershrub. Not sure how you guys pronounce it. It's my Dutch pronunciation. A doily mm. t-shirt, pieces of a um, sweater, see, and wrappers for the head. I love the texture you can create with uh, powerful t-shirts are really good for that. The more folds you create, the better it will look again. Power shrimp. And then here, uh, rock bottom, rock for the butt. She's hanging from a piece of driftwood. 
And here's some unfinished projects in my corner. I'll quickly pass those. The birds, mm, not sure if they can see them really well. They're in my book, Sculpting with Liquid uh, Polymer, Art Stone, Mushrooms. Alphapol Grey. And yeah, so just a little room full of hearts, little birds, heron. Like this one too. She is made with powerful black burlap relief decoration, a mop for the hair, and a carolers hat, just paper mache. And then here, a uh, girl made with rose clay, so all pavapol pavaplast for the body, and then I made clay for the dress, the head part, and her boots. And she sits on a long stick, just like the one in the garden, see? So she's great for the garden. And then another few here, this is with um, napkins. Another owl. This time I used clay and imprinted the clay with various objects to get the texture. And same for his eyes and head. Uh, another rock bottom one hanging from a long thread or cable actually. Art stone. I love this effect. I'm really a fan of art stone. I'm a fan of everything. <laughs> and I think that's about it. And a few sculptures here. These are in the making, the long-legged birds, and this is also art stone. It's just a styrofoam ball, and then I used art stone, pava colors. This is just um, aluminum foil, so a ball wrapped in aluminum foil. These are hanging out there. Mixed media piece. Uh, yeah, that's about it, I think. Mm, all the guys on the globe. And that's my studio. <laughs> For sure is a great place for classes. I mean, you have a very good space there, but I could look at the sculptures all day long. Now, <laughs> I notice, uh, so you, you tend to work with more than one project at a time. Is that correct? Uh, you mean uh, me, myself, working on it? Or... Yes, you. Yeah, so uh, usually I have... One on the go, maybe two, um, uh, 
and, and sometimes I finish them and they would be made, for instance, in palpable black. And then I cannot choose a color. I don't know if any of the whoever's watching has that problem too. I cannot choose a color to paint them in. So sometimes they sit there for two months before I get ready to paint them. Uh, in, in that respect, I'm very, uh, I, I cannot make decisions. So yeah, and then they sit and wait there until I get an inspiration for the color and then I start something else again. But uh, my head is always full with, with new ideas because now I went through that studio and I think, oh yeah, wait a minute, I've got this one still on the go. I need to finish that. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. I actually started a notebook myself when I list all the projects I want to make because it was driving me crazy. You know, I, I cannot complete them uh, in time. So then I have all these ideas that does, they don't allow me to sleep. So I write that down and it's getting better. I have a yeah, few anyway. comments and questions for you. People are saying, I absolutely love that round with the people standing on top. It might be my favorite. It's different and I love them. Judith, love the crow. Me too. I love that crow. Peeper is saying, wow, that Danida, uh, are the garden sculptures weighted? Yes. Um, uh, for instance, the frog, the frog was made of an, um, two hollow styrofoam balls and I put a hard, uh, a big rock in it. And then um, the other ones, the succulent cat and the raven, I bolted them, well, not really bolted them, but they are attached to a big, uh, what is it, six by six post. And that post is attached to a paving stone. So I've just, I go to a home hardware store, buy a, a big paving stone. Uh, then I put a pillar on it, like a six by six. I, I connect those two together and then on top of that goes my sculpture because I've had it in the past. Uh, if I didn't weigh it down, you know, and it is a big storm, it will fall over and sometimes, you know, elbows or arms would crack. So yeah, I, I do weigh them down. So I, if I make a sculpture that I know is going to go outside, I make them heavier by uh, putting a rock underneath. And even for instance, I, I think you saw her uh, in the video. Uh, this is a workshop and people can place them in the garden. Oh, I need to figure out where, but uh, you see, so this is, I left mine hollow here okay. because that's what I, I showed the students. And I would weigh this, I would stick a big rock in here and then fill it up with foil and then finish it. So then she can sit, sit outside as well. Very good, very good question. Uh, so uh, this one is about when you were giving the studio, the, not the studio tour, but the, the city tour. Avni wants to know, all the figures are amazing. Which colors have you used on the red lady? I think that was the one sitting on the metal chair. Oh, that was just, um, so she was made with a combination of black and gray pavapol. And then I, so I made the clay in the same color and then I painted it. I think it is called brilliant red. And I, the, I'm not sure, well, whatever rich, rich, rich color red you can find. Mine was called brilliant red. And then the first layer kind of gets, a, it's funny because if you paint on black pavapol, the first coat that you give it kind of seems to be absorbed by the black and then the color changes a bit. 
But so I kept on just, I think it has maybe two or three layers of that red paint. So I just kept going at it and then it becomes this really bright uh, color. Pippa wants to know what's the price of a class in person? Uh, it depends on the, the length of the class and uh, the size of the sculpture and how many prep work I need to do. Uh, for instance, a, a, a four foot heron, um, that is $200, includes almost all of the supplies except for t-shirt. Uh, a smaller figurine, let's say, uh, you know, this size, you know, I, I always call this the, the normal, uh, the medium size sculpture. I think at the, the last class I taught, but as a year ago, um, it's 120. Very good. Uh, uh, Sally Mason saying, wow, that's a nice studio. Susan Barr, Annette, such beautiful art and wonderful studio. Liz Bonzer, Annette, do you buy special burlap or craft burlap? Well, I, I uh, no, I don't special. I, I heard something yesterday um, or maybe it was in the remarks. So uh, this one, so this burlap, is just um this was from was from the dollar store or i don't i shouldn't be many but anyways uh you know stores like that and it comes in a roll and i split it um so my burlap comes from everywhere and it's not always it doesn't always react the same because uh sometimes it is it's it has a finer mesh than other times uh, and it depends a little bit on the project that I'm doing, whether I want bigger holes or smaller holes. So the only um, the only thing I think that I think that's important if if it's natural or not, make sure it's it's burlap. Okay, Brie wants to know: Do you make your own tall metal stands? Yeah, for the longest time I made them just by drilling holes in a paving stone and you can still do that, no no problem. But as my classes started to grow and, and more often, and sometimes I would drill on an angle so then the sculpture would lean a little bit this way. So, so I stopped doing that. And now, um, so what I do, I go to the local uh, metal shop and then I say, hey, I, I need these stands. So they make them for me and I, and I ask them, only when you have time work on them because and then because then they can uh, charge something less because they use their downtime when there's nobody uh, when there's not so much orders to make then they work on it slowly over time that became more expensive too but now I, i'm actually thinking of going to schools where they teach metal classes and they sometimes need projects that students can learn how to read, uh, uh, let's say, instructions and make it multiple times just to get the experience of welding things together. So if you want to have them made, let's say 20 or more, I usually order them by 100 or the small ones by 400. But yeah, go to a, a school, a local school that can might be able to make them for you. That's an awesome tip. Very good. Uh, then Danita, Annette, do you have to glue the objects separately or does the power pole hold them securely? Power pole holds things together. Um, so I'm not sure which one she was referring to, if that was one of mine, but uh, no, if I want to have two sculptures sticking together, 
then um, I would make them individually and then make sure I've got a good layer of pavapol. Actually, even better would be if you want to have a real good glue is pavapol and pavaplast. So uh, brush a little bit of that mix between two sculptures, stick them together, and then, yeah, then they stick for life. That's very good. Now, Annette, tell me a little bit about the tutorial that you have prepared for us. Yeah, so it's uh, it's making uh, wings. I I've noticed over the years that lots of people like to make fairies. And in the beginning, I would use um, uh, products like uh, stocky nets that we have in the Pavapol range or uh, what's it, a cheesecloth. But it, I always found that people had a lot of issues, especially when it's their first time, but they do want to make a fairy. It was difficult. So I started uh, trying to come up with other ways to do that. And then, um, so I'm going to show you how you can make wings uh, just by using a paper towel. And this is the start of your wing. So you could even, this is done with powerful, transparent and wire. You can do it with a uh, paper towel and do it in transparent. But if I have uh, another color sculpture like this one, so the wings were made, um, how do I hold this? Yeah, so the wings were made exactly the same way with paper towel, powerful, transparent. And then I just went over it with powerful color. Sorry, with gray pavapol. That's where what I used to go over those wings. And it's an easy way, I think, to make wings. And um, and not only wings, you could even use it, for instance, for uh, if you want to make birds. Uh, uh huh. You could even make wings that way, and then cover those wings with whatever you're using. This one is, I used pavapol, pavaplast, and pavacent. But just to get going on those wings, I think it's a simple way. So that's what you're gonna see in the video uh, tutorial, how to do this. Very good, so, so I, I'm excited to see that tutorial. Let's watch, and remember, this is the last chance you have to ask questions. So submit them, and then we'll come back with Annette. Um, here you see a girl with wings on her back and I used simple yarn like this, a metal wire and yarn spun around it. So this is just cotton, a, a cotton, it's a bit spiky, so it gives a certain effect. Cotton, you can also use a relief decoration or cheesecloth. But I found over the years that, that this, because it's stretchy and cheesecloth too, kind of manipulates a bit, it's not so easy to, um, to get a nice tight wing with it. So another solution is uh, using paper towel. And that's what I'm going to show you this uh, in this session, using paper towel to make wings. Uh, another great artist, powerful artist, Lise McAlpine, she uses silk and the silk works almost similar, stunning results. I'm going to work with white and transparent powerful uh, because I can paint them later with any color, either acrylic paint or just go over it with Pavapol bronze or black or whatever I'm using for the project. 
Uh, as for wires, um, the bigger the sculpture, the sturdier the wire. She is, this one is pretty big, I showed her before. Um, I use uh, a bigger gauge for that, this is 16 gauge, it's a little bit more difficult to bend. To bend. Uh, but for smaller sculptures, um, I would use uh, a lower gauge uh, or a thinner gauge. Let's put it that way. That way. And if you buy um, wire, the higher the number, the sturdier it is. If you if you buy galvanized wire, so this is gauge sixteen. It's quite sturdy. This is gauge fourteen and is more pliable. And I'm going to make the wings for a small sculpture, so I'm going to use this one. The 14 gauge. Take my wings and I'm going to outline it with... Um, I'm going to trace the wing, but adding a seam to it with a, with a, you know, with a pen. Just roughly. This one. And that's going to be the other one. And now I'm going to cut in. The, so the blue needs to stay out. You don't want to see that because it's transparent powder pole that we're using. So you would see that. So take that out. Or I mean, when you cut it, you, you leave that out. Because um, you would see it, but it would also probably bleed a little bit, the blue. No, just double checking. That was this one. And so I need to go in the same direction this way. And oh, this way. Or so I should have paid more attention. Better attention. I think it's this. No. Oh boy. This way. Okay. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to place my wings like this on the table and that's how they're going to go on. So now I take my Pavapol transparent and I'm going to brush two layers, or, or, sorry, one layer on each side. So take your brush and I hold it and I go in one direction only because if I do this, it starts to wobble and your paper might break. So one direction only and not too much because it has a few, you know, layers and it might start to tear or come apart. And like I said, you can also do it with silk or cotton. Uh, it's just that sometimes I even like to leave them transparent as these are. Um, they come out transparent and sometimes that's neat too, depending on what kind of figure you made. Okay, one side is done. Have skewers at hand, clean skewers, and flip them over. 
and do the other side. So yeah, I can always already see that it wants to uh, separate those two layers. Same thing. And Pavapol transparent is a little bit thicker than other colors like Pavapol black or bronze because Pavapol transparent is also the base for all other Pavapol colors. So when you make black Pavapol, they take Pavapol transparent, add pigment, and they dilute the pigment in water so it makes the Pavapol thinner. The water makes it thinner. Um, so for that reason, you will always experience that you think, oh, that's a thick pavapol, but this, that's how it is. The other ones are thinner because water was added. So you always can dilute pavapol transparent a little bit, but not more 6% than its of its volume. So if you have 100 grams of pavapol, you can add about 6 grams of water. I'm going to flip these back because I know myself. Otherwise, I don't have them in the right direction. Oh, I see a little bit of blue here. Didn't cut that well. But you can tear that off. Here too. One times two. And flip it over. Okay. Ring comes back. And this one too. And when you do this, make sure that you have enough um, or the same width of seam on both sides. Now this is a bit um, yeah, this is a more bit more detailed. Uh, now you're gonna use two skewers, or I use two skewers. Um, to flip the seam over the wire. That's why I used galvanized wire. If you have just metal wire and it comes in touch with something that's liquid, it starts to rust. So then you would get rust um, color on your Pavapol transparent. Once the first part is over, see like that. It becomes easier. And take your time because you're not in a rush. Is that can you see that really well? I think so. So fold it tight over your and you don't lift it, eh? You see that I'm not lifting it. Here, I don't really care so much what happens. So, other side. Doesn't matter where you start. Just tight over the wing. Oh, there's a hair. Tight over the wing. Or tight over the metal wire. Oh, different side. And when you work with silk, it would be exactly the same way. Now, maybe I'm gonna leave this 
on. I can always cut it later. For now, I'm going to leave it. Okay, one down. One to go. See, and, and now it's nice that the wings are fairly, the metal wire is fairly flat on the table, because if it would poke up, then it's not so easy to fold the paper over. Start, push it down. And And again, I'm going to leave this little point. I'm not touching them. The only thing I'm going to do now is uh, use my hair dryer and um, yeah, dry it a little bit. Not too much, not totally dry because I also have the back side to do. So on low setting. It's an oldie. I think it's 14 years old, this hair dryer. And after a minute or two, you can feel it that this side, because it's so thin, it already starts to dry. Let me clean my hands and then I'll show you that, you don't, that I don't have particle transparent when I touch it. And I also see that the color is not shiny anymore. It's dull and that means that it's drying. So, when I touch it now, I don't have transparent on my hands. That means that we're getting there. So I'm not going to go any further. The only thing I'm going to do now, I'm going to lift it slowly but surely, and then blow the air under the wing and let the wing come up, uh, come loose by itself. So I'm not pulling it. I let the air. Take it off. Now that it's loose, I can simply do the other side. And since it's, um, it's because like I said, it's so thin, it's, it dries really fast. Um, I've got a bowl with water here and a rag to dry my hands every now and then. Well, it's still a bit soft. I mean soft, uh, damp. And if, for instance, you weren't tight enough around the edges, you can use your fingers now. And again, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with this. I think I'm going to leave it for now. So, lay this on the table, do the same with the other one. Now when you lift it, uh, because pavapol is a polymer, a plastic-like substance, you might see little thingies on the side. 
I always say just wait until it's completely dry and then you can simply pull those off. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fuss too much with it while it's still wet. The smaller you make the seam, the less it would shine through. I don't mind seeing a, a thicker, um, uh, a more solid white on the edges because it gives it more, uh, you know, depth. Uh, on the other hand, if I were to bronze, uh, if I were to paint palpable bronze on it, you wouldn't see that anyway. So it depends on how you're going to finish it. But uh, the more experience you get, you can cut the seam really, really thin and then you just roll it over almost. So this one is fairly dry. And now I can, with my finger, I can take off those little plastic flubbies. And that's how you make wings with paper towel. And now I'll show you how to attach them to a, a wireframe. So um, when you want to attach the wings to a body, uh, the bigger the body, uh, the more important it is that those wings are really uh, very well secured. I took the end of the wire and I doubled it up a little bit. And what you can do is you take the end, use some tape. This is just the wire, the back of a sculpture and simply tape the wire to the spine. You can do that with a smaller piece to start and then later add a bigger piece of tape to it, like this. And once it sits, I can very easily maneuver it in different directions. And I still have here at the back, I have some space. Yeah, and that's one way to attach the wings. You can still manipulate it later, moving it this way, moving it forward. Um, and like I said, I would finish it with a colored pavapole, and then you don't see the seam anymore. If you're doing it in transparent, you just make your overlap on the back of the wing wider so that it overlaps and it's completely white but when you go over it with colored pavapol you won't see that anymore so for bigger sculptures i would definitely do it this way and then fold it see for instance this one is a bigger one and uh, the wings are were attached to the body frame they come out and then you make sure that no water gets in the area where the wings came out. So you really have to make sure that it's very well attached. I'll show you this sculpture in another part of the video today. And then another way of doing it, this is already uh, um, foiled, half foiled, she was ready to go. So I just taped the upper body a little bit. And then I'm gonna show you how you can also attach the wing to uh, a taped body. I taped this uh, top part again, this was doubled up. I'm simply holding it in a way that I think, oh, that's going to look cute. And then same thing. It doesn't have to be in the perfect spot yet, but I hold it here, take my tape, and first make sure you secure it 
So it sits. And once it sits, you have your hands free to either uh, move them around or maybe cut off that, that very end of the wire so that it doesn't uh, completely stick out. Use your pliers and the rest gets taped. And when you tape it, it needs to be tight on that body. And once it sits, once she's finished, you can still manipulate that wing in, in all sorts of directions because it's still very flexible. And if it's not so flexible anymore, use your hair dryer and start uh, warming it up so it gets softer and then you can change it again. So that's a very basic way of making wings. Another way to make wings is using aluminum foil. And I can quickly show you how you could do that. I already did one wing with aluminum foil. For the other side. Uh, people that know me like uh, know that I like to wrinkle foil first before I fold it over. I always find I can manipulate it a little bit better and uh, squeeze it better. But you know what? That it's also a personal thing. So. I wrinkle it, fold it open. And now the trick is I don't want to change the shape too much because they were kind of similar. So I lay it down here and then I'm gently folding over the foil, making sure that I don't change that. It might be difficult to see now, but here's my wire that I don't change the outline of the wire too much. So fold it over, hold it tight. Almost like I did with the, with the, with the what's it called? Uh, paper towel. Same way, see? And then flatten it, or don't flatten it. So that's one layer. I would give it maybe two to three layers. So uh, again, making sure you got it wrinkled. But you start with thinner layers. So like I did one layer first, then the next goes on. Again, don't push it. Uh, don't push it too much because you do want to keep that outline. Because if you use more foil, it becomes a little bit more sturdy. And don't worry if you have, uh, you know, seams here or a little bit more foil than on the other side. I always say texture makes it interesting. If it's too too smooth, it becomes boring. Okay. Now this might be an issue. So usually when I foil, it also depends a bit on how much experience you have, uh, tape the wings and then you don't get, you know, these loose pieces. Because what I would do in the, in the case of having foil on your wings, I would simply uh, brush pavapol and pavaplast on it. So tape goes on, tight, doesn't matter which direction you're going, overlapping is fine too.
And always when you use tape, rubbing it. And if you have little pieces of foil showing, that's fine, that doesn't matter. I use masking tape, some people use uh, hockey tape, whatever you, uh, yeah, try, try different things and see what you like best. So, it doesn't really matter. And then when you have um, um, masking tape and foil, then too, you can still you know, manipulate the wings a little bit in different shapes. Now what I would do, I would brush on a layer of pavapol, both sides, dry it, then mix pavapol and pavaplast together and brush on a good thick coat on both sides, dry it and do that again. So one layer of just pavapol, I like that because it makes it sticky and then the thicker layer of pavapol and pavaplast will adhere better. And then one more, the last coat, the second coat, so to say, of pavapol and pavaplast, that is to prevent that you didn't have any thin pinholes anywhere. Yeah, and then, yeah, that's how you do wings. You might have more questions, but that, that will come. But uh, oh, yeah, and how to uh, mix pavapol and pavaplast. If you're not familiar how to do that, um, you can find a video on my website. If you go to orangewireart.ca, click on the shop, find pavaplast in additives. And if you find the product pavaplast, there's in the description is a little video on how to mix the two. So, yeah. That's how you make wings. Or this is an, a way to make wings. One of the many. <laughs> very cool, very good tutorial. Are you ready for some questions? Yeah, sure. Everyone wants to know if you can use acrylic colors with PowerPoint products. If you can use what, sorry? A acrylic paint. Uh, use acrylic paint to do what, sorry, one more time. So yeah, uh, can you use acrylic colors with PowerPoint products? Yes, so you can either use uh, acrylic products, acrylic paints to color your sculptures. Uh, you could also use uh, acrylics if you wanna color your PowerPoint transparent. But you have to make sure it's a good quality because we normally use PowerPoint colors, that's good solid dyes but uh, yeah um, acrylics can be used this one i think is about the owl on the on the wood memory bradley is asking do you glue the wooden posts to the stone or are you drilling through it oh she's i think she's referring to uh, the posts that i have outside um i drill the wood so i have those um how do you call them those uh, 90 degree angle metal plates that they use in construction? 
And that's what I used to drill holes in the paving stone and onto the posts, if that's what she meant. Okay. Uh, Maria, if you are using galvanized wire for the wings, does that mean all sculptures begin with galvanized wire? No, usually, you know, you can use any wire. Let's start with that. Any wire is good. In my workshops, I use for, you know, making figurines like this, you know, what you see behind me. I use electrical wire because it's coated and it has a, a solid copper core. So that means that the inside of that electrical wire has one thick copper wire that makes it bendable and keep that position. Um, but you could also use any other wire. It doesn't have to be electrical. It doesn't have to be galvanized. It's just whatever you use, think about it, what it could do. Because I also like to use uh, a metal wire that rusts. I use it. But if you use it on a sculpture that has a transparent power pole or a light color power pole, then the rust will start to show through. So in this case, if you, for instance, wanted to keep the wings um, transparent, then if I were to use metal, you would start to see bleeding rust. So any wire is good as long, and, and I want to stress that out, the bigger your sculpture, the, the sturdier that wire needs to be. Because as you might know, or might not know, Pavapol, it is a polymer, so plastic products in the sun tend to soften. So for instance, uh, the, the hair you see behind me, his ears are outlined with wires. If I, if I didn't have a good solid wire in there and he sits outside and the snow falls on it and then the sun comes out and then it's heavy, right? Because snow is heavy, then those ears would start to droop. Now, the bigger the sculpture is, the, the more risk you run if ha in having things going down. Whether it's snow or the sun, it takes it down because it softens it a bit. So if you have a good, solid, uh, uh, an appropriate um, thickness of wire in your sculpture, then that's not an issue. It would get soft in the sun because the sun heats things up and gets and, and softens a bit, but your sculpture wouldn't change at all. But if you had a very flimsy wire in those ears and it sits outside, then uh, trust me, I've done that 15 years ago, then things start to come down in the sun. So yeah, make sure you've got the right wire for your projects. Very good. Annette Deco Art, very beautiful work. Annette, do you, how do you get the reddish metal effect? What colors do you use? The reddish metal effect. So maybe she's referring to something like this, maybe. Uh -huh. um, copper, uh, copper colored um, paint. So, um, yeah, if I have a black sculpture, then I use copper that gives it a reddish color. Sometimes I highlight the copper even again with bronze to give it just two tones. I always find that two tones on the sculpture really brings out the depth. 
Um, other than that, uh, Rust may uh, sometimes use. Uh, I'm not sure if you can see it in the in the in the back there. That that rooster is Rust, but I use um, uh, Pava colors, so the the powder pigments. And when the paint, when the Pava pole or paint is still a bit, um, for instance, the rooster, he's black. I paint him a little bit brownish. And then when the paint is still acrylic paint, when it's still wet, I dab on some powder pigments and it can be champagne or a rust color or a sienna makes a beautiful rust effect. So that's another way of doing it. So as long as those powders can adhere to uh, your paint or you mix those powders with varnish, then it becomes a paint and then you can brush it on. I hope that answers the question. Sally Mason, could you just put a paper towel on both sides of the wire and power pole together and then cut fringes in the overlap to make it look more feathery? I hope that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah, see, you already get the new ideas from this because, yeah, that's, you know, you, you take it however you want to do it. So, yeah, and, and the nice thing is, yeah, I've got those same rings here again. Um, when it's, even when it's dry, because it's paper, if you say, if she says those fringes, yeah, it's still very easy to cut. Don't wait two days, but for sure, after a couple of hours, you can still do that. What I forgot to mention in my video about those wings. So when you create those outlines of the wings, um, I'm not sure if you can see that the, the ends of my wire here, because if you use a thinner wire, uh, that wire by itself might not be uh, suitable to go against the back and keep it in place. So I twist those two wires together. Mm -hmm. And another question earlier said, can you use Pavapol to glue things together? Yeah. Um, this was a separate ring and this was a separate ring. And when it was still damp, I just laid them together flat and I pushed it down and now it's attached. Very cool. Uh, Rina is asking, will the paper become rock hard or will it be pliable? It's, um, let me see. So this one is now maybe two or three weeks old. And now it's pretty hard now. It's uh, only when I get my hair dryer out and heat it up, I would be able to bend it again. And then probably I would need to keep it in a certain position to keep it there uh, because Pavel has a ten has a memory, it, so it bounces back. So yeah, use your hair dryer. This was done um, two days ago, and this one is still pliable. So, but it only has transparent, one coat of transparent. As to this one, had Pavel transparent, and then I went over it with gray colored Pavel. So cool. Uh, Lisa Bittier, wing proportion about the same length as the trunk of the armature? See, this is where I wing it. Literally where I wing it. <laughs> um, well, uh, I always say, yeah, let's, so, so she, let's see, this is my, this is the length 
Yeah, probably. Sitting from from top to head, uh, yeah, probably the same. But uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's good to just go overboard a little bit. Um, I always say it in classes too. Sometimes maybe you want to give it even a bigger one because sometimes when we try to imitate a real person, uh, you get very um, focused of getting it right. And as and as to if you exaggerate things, then it doesn't matter how big things are. Then it's a statement. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but yeah. Yeah, it does. Liz Bonser, do you always place your wings right onto the armature or can we wait when the figure is most done and then attach? Reason is that when you want the, to dress the figure, it might be difficult to go around the wings. Yeah, it's um, so that's why in the, in the video tutorial, I think it depends if you make a big sculpture that goes outside, let's say it's three or four feet and it's getting wings, then I think it's very important, although it's not convenient, but then I think it's very uh, important to have this attached to the wireframe. For the same reason as I explained earlier, if snow gets on those wings outside, it's you know and, and and they are just attached down here so in, in the back of the sculpture after you dressed it then i think it's way more vulnerable and with a smaller sculpture you might get away with it by just adding it after the clothes or after the wrapping or whatever um but because the smaller ones uh, uh if snow falls on it, it it doesn't have so much of an impact or the sun but if you go big if it's a big sculpture i would say it's a hassle but attach this part attach that to the metal to your wireframe then start foiling and then start clothing uh, giving it clothes and yeah it's a hassle but it's going to be worth your while so indoors small figures doesn't really matter when you do it outdoors bigger ones definitely go on the wireframe first. Elena wants to know if you use hockey pay tape on your figures. Uh, I know uh, Lise Sincere, my dear friend, uh, she uses it. So I started using it too because she really likes it. And uh, I'm too impatient for it. Uh, so I have used it and it's great because it makes a sculpture when, when you brush palpable on it, makes it really, really hard. Uh, but uh, it also requires a little bit more, it takes a little bit more time and I'm impatient. So I, I still use uh, uh, masking tape. I get that because even the cutting is harder. So yeah, I get that. Uh, Elena also wants to know, can we see a close-up of the figurine with the big hat and green dress behind you? Yeah. Mm. Not this way. So this, we start, that's how we started with what is your inspiration? I had lots of these carolers head at one Christmas time, uh, paper mache, and I didn't use them for the longest time. And I thought, okay, now I need to come up with a project to, uh, to do something with it. So sure enough, then I was out of carolers head because everybody wanted to make one. Uh, see burlap, this is relief decoration. 
And you know what? And it, there's no pattern here, right? Just tear off pieces of relief decoration and just, and the messier, the more folds you create, the nicer it will look with pink. This is just a ball of uh, uh, strips of uh, t-shirt. And then... The boots. For the lace, for the shoes, I used uh, just uh, shoelace kind of material. Very cool, very, very cool. Yeah, I like it too. She's a favorite. Yeah, yes, yeah. And easy sure. to make. Yeah, easy to make. Because you don't have uh, your, uh, the, the, the skirt is just strips of burlap that when it's still wet, it wants to do its own thing. So you use pins to keep that burlap in a certain position. And then I stuffed plastic bags in the pockets mm -hmm. and left that in for a couple of days. And now see, this is, she's old, she's maybe two or three years old and it still stands out this way with all these uh, little pockets. It's very pretty. Uh, Brie wants to know if the hair ears droop from snow, would they bounce back to the original uh, shape once the snow was gone? No, you have to help them back in their old position. So uh, uh, I would uh, bring them in first, uh, dry it. Then you start using your hair dryer to uh, soften up those uh, the bavapol again for the ears, for instance. And then you slowly bring it back in the right position. And then you probably have to support it with a, a stick underneath it so it stays there where you want it, because otherwise it would come down again. And then, yeah, and then the question is, uh, if you attach the wire inside the hair really good, then I think that would solve the problem. If not, then it probably comes down again. And Joanne, the tall birds that are on your left, what did you use for the long legs, uh, for the long legs, wire or what? Yeah, so these, that's the, I love using, um, it's called rebar tie wire. So they, they, in construction, they use it to uh, to um, to tie the rebar together. And this stuff rusts. So if I coated it with pavapol, then it doesn't rust anymore. But yeah, so these legs, four lengths of um, four lengths of rebar tie wire per leg. The the feet. I keep them separated and then here they're all bunched together those four wires taped and then they go into the little birdie and that's how they were both done very cool very very cool wow i mean i'm inspired i'm ready i'm going to start with that frog though my <laughs> favorite my favorite but it's amazing so annette any final words for our friends here today uh, well, final words is um, uh, don't put pressure on yourself when you make something. It's all about the process. Have fun. And if you're a little bit more, um, you know, detail orientated, I always say make your, your your foil figure and your and the masking tape part. Do that one day and then leave it. Come back the next day and look at it again and then you start working on it. That's yeah. my tip for people. And other than that, you know what? Sky is the limit with this product, really. It's, uh, I used to make only figurines and now I'm into uh, whatever I can find, right? Because I don't know if you saw this, you can make uh, 
bowls, mm-hmm. uh, see, driftwood, a bowl, a hollow bowl, uh, relief decoration. I mean, whatever you see around you, you probably can make it with Pava Pole. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> And Annette, thank you so much for taking the time for being here with us and for filming the city tour and your studio tour and the tutorial, of course. I do hope to have you back here very soon, okay? Thank you for giving the opportunity. Thanks, Char. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure having you here. I hope you have enjoyed this interview. My next interview here is July 29th with Gwen Rousseau. You don't want to miss that one either because it's going to be amazing as well. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. See you next time.